Good morning, everybody. When you hear that music, you know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. And this is Jamie Uretsky coming to you live from our studios in Overland Park, Kansas. Yes, Ree Bob, the baseball season is winding down. We have our two teams getting ready for the World Series. Game one is tonight, featuring the Houston Astros versus the Washington Nationals, who for the first time in their franchise history are going to the World Series, and they are supposedly, according to all the baseball brains on MLB Network, the underdog. I don't think so. I think the Nationals should be favored. I'd put my money on the uh, Nationals to win the World Series. I think it'll go six. I think they'll clinch in Houston in game six. That's my prediction. But before we get to that, There's a sad note, an amazing note, and a note that you can't take life for granted because you just never know. A really good umpire and a good guy by all accounts, Eric Cooper, passed away at the age of 52 over the weekend. Eric had been uh, umpiring the division series between the Yankees and the Twins. When that concluded, he went back and had knee surgery in Iowa was recuperating with his family in Iowa, got a blood clot, and unexpectedly passed away. And our sympathies go out to his family. Uh, There are a quality group of umpires, and he was in that group. He was great. So sorry to have to report that. Eric Cooper, gone at the age of 52. And uh, on to things that may be lighter. The California Angels apparently have agreed to a three-year contract with Joe Madden. Reports are that it's between 10 and $12 million a year. So, yes, he doubled his salary when he got away from Theo, control freak, Epstein. And Theo, the control freak, is at it again in Chicago. Who's he going to pick? Probably won't be announced now until after the World Series, which leads everybody to think it's going to be the Houston bench coach. But I think this is just Theo trying to uh, delay the process and show that he is the guy in control. Um, You know, as long as Theo's there, the manager is going to have a minimal role in the game of baseball for the Cubs. I think uh, although he's waiting until the World Series gets over with, I predict David Ross is still going to get the job, and uh, it'll be interesting. You never know. I mean, Ross is pretty well respected by the players. Everybody has their theory about former players, coaching guys that they played with. I don't think that'll be a problem. I think David Ross gets that job. Joe Giardi is just kind of a strange bird in terms of his reputation and how he comes across in his job as a commentator. You know, when we started the season, I, I liked Harold Reynolds, I liked uh, Plezak, and I liked uh, DeRosa. Um, still the same. DeRosa's quality. Harold Reynolds is interesting. And they're not totally bought into the uh, sabermetric stuff. They're not into the um, analytical assessment to the degree that the Houston Astros are. Everybody says the Astros are the analytical team. The Nationals are the old school with Rizzo coming out of the scouting department. You know, I continue to say baseball's baseball. I do not need anybody's sabermetrics to know that the Nationals have some quality players. So let's look at those guys that are going to be in the World Series, the quality players that are your Washington Nationals without Bryce Harper, which I continue to think is sort of humorous and that... Uh, Harper was interviewed, and he said, oh, he has no hard feelings. Philadelphia is his family, and that uh, he still has a lot of friends on the Nationals, and he's rooting for them. If you believe that, I've got a prime piece of real estate that I'd like to negotiate with you, because I'm not buying it. I think it's funny that Harper gets shut out of the playoffs, shut out, and the only time that the Nationals go to the playoffs in the Harper era is after Harper's gone. So, yeah, he's got friends on the team, and, yeah, he hopes the friends do well, but are they really friends? And what is his attachment to Philadelphia? I don't get it. But anyway, maybe it's because they boo everybody, and that underscores his personality. I don't know him. He's a sourpuss on the field. 
Sar puts off the field. He's a heck of a baseball player, but will he ever reach the potential that we all expect of this guy? I don't think so. And is he, when you compare him to the 1950s ball players, where does he rank? Is he a Willie Stargell? Is he an Al Kaline? Is he an Elston Howard? Is he a Yogi Berra? Is he a John Blanchard? Who is he? I don't know. I mean, he's certainly well thought of now just because he's got a big contract. But what has he done? Top 100 in batting this year? Wow, that's something. He's uh, not my favorite, but you know what? He can play the game. But so can a lot of the guys on the Nationals. One, Adam Eaton, who laid an egg with the White Sox and really is only hitting a buck 94 in the playoffs, is a pretty good leadoff man. But then you got Rendon, you've got Soto, and you've got Robles. Those are good ball players. Um, when you look at the makeup of the team, again, it uh, underscores the disappearance of the African American player. You do have Kendrick, you do have, um, uh, thinking, trying to think, that's it. On the Astros, you've got Springer and Brantley. But at any rate, be that as it may, that's probably not important. I think the Nationals, Eaton, Rendon, Soto, Kendricks, Zimmerman, Cabrera, Suzuki, and Robles, I think that's the winning combination. I think they'll split in Houston, take two out of three in Washington, and then come back and win game six against Verlander. It's going to be pretty cool. Maybe it'll be against Cole. I don't know. Uh, tonight's game, Cole versus Scherzer. How do you beat that? The next game, Verlander versus Strasburg. How do you beat that? If you're uh, the owner of the Detroit Tigers, you're wondering, how did I let these guys go? Why do I own a baseball team? Why did I sell all those pizzas if I didn't recognize these guys were worth being paid to stay? So, can one team keep those guys? We'll find out. Will the uh, Nationals keep Scherzer and uh, Strasburg? It's the same question that was confronting Dombrowski and uh, the Detroit Tigers owner, Mitch Illich, pizza man, when uh, he got rid of those guys. How do you get rid of those guys? You know, it's like, how in the world do you get rid of Garrett Cole, Pittsburgh? How in the world do you manage to blow a team? And it's because some of the teams favor payroll decisions over talent. And what can I say? The Astros, who I'll be rooting for, have Springer, quality, bad so far in the playoffs, Altuve, MVP, ALCS, Brantley, pretty good guy to be your sixth or seventh guy you're depending on, Bregman, who needs to get hot, Gurriel, who needs to get hot, Alvarez is a rookie, you really don't know what that's going to do to him. World Series stage, he's been pretty pathetic so far. Correa hadn't really hit well. Reddick, I think, is really good. And then uh, Chernos or Maldonado. It's interesting. If you go position by position, the catcher is pretty much a throw-up. Uh, yeah, throw-up, not throw-out. They're bad. I mean, Maldonado couldn't make the Royals team. And then he couldn't make the Cubs team. And now he's a stud in Houston. Suzuki with the uh, Nationals and Gomes. I'd go with Gomes and Maldonado. We'll see who plays tonight. First base, uh, man, oh, man. You know, you've got Zimmerman over there and Gurriel. And maybe the nod goes to Zimmerman with the uh, experience he's got. Second base, you have Altuve and Kendrick. Uh, you know what? Altuve, MVP. I think Kendrick has the nod here, playoff experience and maturity. Shortstop, Cray and Turner. Boy, those are two good guys. I don't know who to pick on that one. I'll go with Correa. Third base, I'm going with Bregman, although how in the world do you not go with Rendon? And uh, yada, 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 on and on and on. The outfield of uh, Soto in, uh, in left field, Robles and uh, Eaton is pretty good for the Nationals. The outfield for the uh, 
Astros with Brantley, Springer. I like Reddick out there. It's going to be a good series. Pitching is going to dominate. These games, I predict, will be under 3 hours and 30 minutes, and uh, we'll be excited to see what happens. Now, a couple things that have been going around baseball circles. Number one, um, the length of time it takes to play a playoff game. Number two, the pathetic broadcasting that has befuddled every division, ALCS, and soon-to-be World Series. Smoltz and Buck are just not very good, and I wonder why the ratings go down. They're not fun. They're not fun to watch. They're not fun to listen to. Uh, Smoltz, good guy, good golfer, great pitcher, smart guy. He's boring. Buck thinks he's cute. Had a couple good comments when uh, Maldonado laid down a bunt. There was a reference to Major League. That was cool. The baseball movie, Major League, starring just a bit outside. Bob Euchre, friend of mine. Not a good friend, but a friend. And so uh, you can put the broadcasting in the, uh, in the, in the uh, trash can. Been pathetic. Then um, you've got the umpiring, which has been erratic. But I like the umpire in game six of the ALCS. He was, man, all over the board. But he erred on the side of calling strikes. I love it. There were some pitches inside. He called strikes, pitches outside, he called strikes. Smoltzer goes, how in the world can I expect a hitter to cover both sides of the plate? Ask Yogi Berra. Covered every plate, place. Inside, outside, up, down. In the zone, out the zone. Give me a break. We need the 30-second clock. That would help. We need umpires to be aggressive in the strike calls. That would help. We just don't need these four-and-a-half-hour games. Oh, my God. The first three innings the other day took about an hour and a half. Thinking, man, oh man, this is just bad. And that didn't even involve Dakota Hudson or Hugh Darvish. So you got all that to contend with. And then you've got the controversy about the bullpens sessions, the opener. You know, you can call it what you want, but if you only have three good starting pitchers, you're going to have to use a, quote, bullpen game, which is a new term for an old dog. I mean, it's not like that's never been done before. Teams have used openers, if you want to call it that. Peacock will probably pitch the beginning of the fourth game. And uh, so what? The Nationals are blessed to have four starters. They've got uh, Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin, top flight, and they've got... um, Annabelle Sanchez. So if you're going to rate pitching, and I've seen this done on a few shows, and and I'll, I'll do it. Here's my rating of the pitching staffs of the two teams on the front of starting. So I put Cole as the number one guy, Scherzer as number two, uh, Strasburg three, Verlander four, Corbin five, Granke six, Sanchez, seven, and then the eighth guy is whoever the Astros decide to pitch. So if you total up all those numbers, it comes to 19 for the Astros and 15 for the Nationals, and the higher number is bad. I give the starting pitching edge to the Astros. No. The Nationals. No. Yeah, you know what? I really give it to the Nationals, but boy, boy, how in the world do you turn your back on Cole Verlander Granky when you get right down to it? Uh, I don't know. It's just going to be a good deal. The bullpens, clearly the Astros have the advantage, although the Nationals' bullpen is hot. All year they were having a hard time uh, finding home plate, but they finally did. So we've got the World Series. We've got the uh, gates opening today at 5. I'll be there when the gates open. I think... Uh, that will be a fun deal for tomorrow. I'll be watching the game tonight. And, uh, you know, that's uh, really it. That's uh, the beginning of uh, this podcast, number 39, is a prelude to the World Series. I will end podcast 39 with the summary of games one and two. And then podcast 40 will be the last podcast we do with any actual scores. So where are we? And what is baseball going to do? Well, the ratings are down. 
Very few people that I talk to even want to watch any of the World Series. And with uh, the baseball uh, channel, MLB Network, you can watch a you can watch a summary if you don't want to watch the whole game. And number two, the next day they play a rewind on TV that cuts out all the mumbo jumbo of uh, what I complain about the delay, and that lasts an hour. So they rewind the whole game, regardless of how long it takes, and get it done in an hour, which is about what a baseball game's fan should observe. Plus, you know, I give two minutes for the commercials. That's uh, 36 minutes and a couple pitching changes. So I like the rewind on there. I like the, I like the summary. Now, I watch the game. I keep score. I chart the game pretty well. But so what? You know, it's not... It's not a mystery. The bullpen gave it up for the Astros and L2. They got it back from Chapman when he couldn't uh, control his fastball. He had to come in with a slider. And uh, his slider is uh, something that resembles a normal human being pitching in relief. His fastball, he can't really hit it until about two years ago, and then people started catching up to it. How long will Chapman go on? He's probably got another five years of floundering around uh, in the playoffs, but dominating in the regular season because the rosters are weaker than the ones you get in the ALCS and the NLCS. So anyway, that's the scoop. We are looking at expanding our format. We're looking at kind of doing some things on uh, the sponsorship front, the advertising front. We are now on SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify. If you go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, search The Lighter Side of Baseball, and you got this. So, let me leave you with something that I think is The Lighter Side of Baseball, and that is the over-analytical approach of the uh, various people on MLB Network and Fox and all the other stations, beginning with Tom Verducci. Just call the game. Actually, the Fox post-game show has been kind of fun. Not an A-Rod fan, not really a big Poppy fan, not really a big Frank Thomas fan, but together, they're fun. They're not talking about sabermetrics. They're just talking about each guy's experience with winning the either the NLCS or the ALCS. So that's it. We will talk to you live from Houston, Texas, after we observe Game 2. I assume and predict that after Game 2, when the series goes back to Washington, D.C., the teams are tied at 1-1. One and one. Which game will the Nationals win? I predict it'll be Game 1. But check it out. Only time will tell. Jamie Rutsky on the lighter side of baseball. Saying, see you in Houston, Texas. And we are coming to you live from Houston, Texas. And it is the morning after the breakfast dished out by the Houston Astros. And yes, the Houston Astros laid eggs over easy in games one and games two. As we predicted the Nationals go home to Washington, D.C. with an eight-game win streak in postseason play and a two-zip lead over the Astros, who are in a state of disarray. They held a team meeting after the game, and let me tell you, they need more than a team meeting. They need some clutch hitting, some good pitching, and a few new players. Can Zach Greinke be the guy to turn it around? I don't know. They need to take two out of three and come home and sweep at home. They could do it, but they looked pretty listless last night. They made a couple of key mistakes that really didn't get covered very well in the paper. And uh, I'm going to just touch base with that a little bit. And that is when L2 was on second base in the first inning, the rally was started, the crowd was into it, everybody was excited. And for some inexplicable reason, he heads for third base with an attempt to steal and he is gunned down. Oh, my God, did the wind come out of that balloon? However, the rally didn't stop there. The Astros fought back, scored two runs, tied the game, 
and turn it back over to Justin Verlander, who went into inexplicably the seventh inning. He had thrown six innings, struggled pretty much all night, had five or six strikeouts, and uh, for some reason, Hinch didn't want to go to the bullpen. And that was a big mistake because Suzuki, who was the backbreaker last night, did it again, hit a home run. Bam! He clobbered that ball in that little band box. So, let's talk about Minute Maid Park. Uh, we went down to the uh, friendly confines of Minute Maid Park, and they're friendly, but it's just not Wrigley Field. Found a great bar, home plate, had a great meal before the game with some friends and family, and uh, all in all, it was a great day. I mean, that was the start of a great day. Game two, game one didn't go so good, but it wasn't so bad. And you know what they always say in the press conferences, oh, when you lose... 12 to 3, it's almost easier than if you lose by one run. And looking historically at the last 24 hours, they did lose by one run in game one. So they had a game one loss by one run, a game two loss by nine runs, and all in all, it's a pretty mediocre team in a state of free fall. Will they come back in D.C.? I don't think so. At any rate, what did we have? We had the... uh, Good food at the home plate, and then we headed over to Minute Maid Park, where, again, for no reason, MLB Baseball kept the roof closed. And four hours later, the 10,000 fans that were left at the game were treated to absolutely nothing. The uh, Astros laid an egg. The game went on and on and on. And in disbelief, the Astro fans watched their team not only fail to hit, failed to hit for power, failed to move runners along, but they also failed to field the ball. And so errors, miscues, and basically an uninspired performance led to the demise of the Astros. I don't care how you sugarcoat it. I don't care what you say in a team meeting. The big boys, Bregman, Correa, Springer, did not come through. So with Cole... And Verlander, you figure you're going to be up two to nothing. At worst, you're going to be one and one. Here, the unbelievable happened. They're down two. Is that like losing with Koufax and Drysdale on the mound? Probably fairly close, at least the way Cole's been pitching in this last two months of baseball. But a plane flight, a trip to the Nationals ballpark, and three games back-to-back-to-back in D.C., might be just what the Astros needed. I don't think so. It was a disappointing night for the Astro fans, a great night for the national fans. I've been to a lot of World Series games, and I've never seen a game where the visitors were so unrepresented in fans. You had to look far and wide for Nationals fans. I bet there weren't a 1,000 National fans in the whole ballpark. So what does that tell you? I don't know. Do they have a following? I don't know. Do they have a travel squad? Not really. There's nobody that went to the game for the Nationals virtually. And uh, the Astro fans just watched nothing happen. Uh, Nothing really happened on Tuesday and nothing really happened on Wednesday. It was just kind of a ho-hum long game. Now you ask, how can a boring, long World Series game last four hours? They don't throw the ball. The new strategy is get the ball, take a stretch, and look at the batter for 10 seconds. Brutal, brutal, brutal. But anyway, that's my opinion. And uh, on the good front, when we were walking around beautiful Minute Maid Park, and they've got a lot of good food. I mean, it's an interesting ballpark. They've almost got too much good food. Uh, their concessionaire is one of my least favorite concessionaires, so... I saw a lot of people ordering stuff that they didn't eat because it's crummy, you know? Now, if you get Bluebell ice cream, you get it in a produced Bluebell container. So Aramark doesn't touch it. If you get chicken tenders and french fries, they had to prepare it. And even though it's probably Cisco kind of food, it's put under the seat. Nobody was eating it. It was gross. It was gross. Bad, bad, bad. But anyway, uh, they had a lot of different kind of food. The wings looked like they were popular, didn't have them. The hot dogs looked grotesque. 
I'm telling you, we had great seats. Third row. Uh, we were looking right out at the uh, right fielder. We were close to the fence. And whereas in Wrigley Field, the little screen netting doesn't bother you that saves some serious injuries, the Astros screen's a little different. I think it's, I thought it was a little intrusive, but uh, great seats. You can still see quite a bit. And, um, you know, by the seventh inning, there were no people to obstruct any view. So, what else was there? Well, again, the roof was closed, which is disappointing. The hot dogs, like I said, man, I walked up from our seats, which was a long hike. Uh, Note to self, get a higher row next time because it's a tough walk for an old man. And uh, then the, I'm I'm telling you what, I thought Wrigley could really brutalize some hot dogs. I thought the Royals could brutalize some hot dogs. I've seen the Padres brutalize some hot dogs. Man, these foot-long dudes, they just look really mass-produced. Sad. What happened to the old, let's make the ballpark hot dogs in the ballpark? Those days are gone in most ballparks. So, on the lighter side of baseball, we will continue to seek out good food. We will continue to seek out good choreographed baseball. The Astros apparently have the same soundtrack entertainment system that the Royals have. It's like brutal. My brother turned to me and said, do they do this at Wrigley? I said, "Uh, no, you don't have to like tell the fans to cheer at any given time. You don't have to tell the fans to cheer louder. And you don't have to have the stupid pre-programmed music that comes across the air at Minute Maid Park and uh, at Royal Stadium. So, you know, this has turned into the negative side of sports. But I got to tell you, it's the first time in a long time I've been to a World Series game where I really didn't care who'd win. I'm sort of hoping that Astros would win so my family would be happy. We hooked up with my brother's son, went to the home plate, had beers, like I said, had great food. Everything was going good. We got into the ballpark. Uh, the U.S. gymnastics champion of the world did a backflip. She was awesome. Then she sort of threw a ball to home plate, sort of didn't throw a ball to home plate. And uh, Verlander took the mound, and kabam, the first inning blues got him again. Oh, oh, oh baby. Somebody's got to figure out how to get past the first inning if the Astros are going to win the World Series, and uh, I don't think they will. But at any rate, let's see, what else did we do? We uh, Luckily, we, we got an Uber to the ballpark, which was great. We found Ray after the game, my nephew, and he drove us home, which was great. And uh, in between, we saw a bad baseball game. What can I say? You never know what you're going to get. You could get Don Larson throwing a perfect game, or you could get the Houston Astros laying an egg on national TV in game two. So then they held a closed-door players-only meeting. Come on, really? Game three of the World Series. It's sort of like the Cubs after the rain delay. We're going to pull out the mojo. Let's go. We need to win. I don't think the, the the Nationals are on a roll. Martinez was managing the game good. Hinch did some things that I thought were pretty strange. Number one, leaving Verlander in. Number two, going to Presley. Number three, if he gave the green light to Altuve to steal third, bad move. Walked a couple guys intentionally, which he hadn't done all year. Strange. And to top it off, he did not fire up the team. It was just another day and a bad day. So... Will they rally? I don't know. You know, I guess you'd find out what they're made of. Bregman, you know, they're they're down. He has uh, nothing. No clutch hitting. Zero clutch hitting. So I leave you with this thought. There's nothing like a World Series game. There's nothing like going to a World Series game with your brother. We had a great time. I really didn't care who'd win. I just wanted to see a good game, and we really didn't. Wasn't really a good game, but that doesn't replace the fun, the joy, and the excitement of being there because you just never know in baseball what's going to happen. Now, again, I would do a couple things. I would have the umpires increase the strike zone. I would have the pitchers have a limit that they could only hold the ball 30 seconds. And I would hope that uh, 
in the future, MLB lets these ball clubs do what they want with their venue. Open the roof. Let the stars shine above. Don't be ridiculous. It was 90 degrees at game time. The roof being opened would have been awesome. Milwaukee, same deal. Open your roof. On that front, loving the Brewers, the greatest living ball player from the 50s and 60s and 70s was at the game. He was there to award his trophy to the American League recipient and the National League recipient. Again, the Astros did not really choreograph that very well. They needed to feature a little bit more of introducing in a grandiose way number 44 for the Milwaukee slash Atlanta Braves, Henry Aaron. Henry Aaron, who is getting older, a little disabled, still did not get the fanfare he deserved. And you can only wonder why. I don't know. The ceremony was as bad as the game. I wish something good had happened besides the bag of peanuts I got. The peanuts were pretty good. Uh, The recipients, Mike Trout in the American League, Christian Yelich, well-deserved in the National League. And so it goes. The award was given. Henry was kind of helped off the field. Uh, Gymnast came out. She did her thing. And then Verlander came out and did his thing. So one can only get excited about this news. During the World Series, you're not supposed to leak or have any press conferences unless you're the teams in the World Series. But lo and behold, the Chicago Cubs managed to leak out what everybody knew in October, and that was everybody knew this in August. The new manager replacing Joe Madden would be none other than David Ross. And I think that's a pretty good hire. Um, I'm glad they didn't get Giardi. I'm glad they didn't get somebody you had never heard of, like the bench coach for the Astros. I'm glad they didn't get, uh, you know, anybody else that had been a coach with Madden on that team. Uh, They interviewed uh, Venable, and they interviewed the uh, bench coach. And so they didn't hire any of those guys. They hired David Ross. I thought the Cubs should have gone and had David Ross on the team after the World Series as a 25th man, a catcher, and also a player coach. I think that would have been cool. They didn't do it. Rossi wanted to spend some time with his family, so he did that for a couple of years, did some work with MLB Network, and this guy is a good strategist. He's a good motivator, and I, for one, am pretty, pretty pumped about 2020 for the Cubs. I think David Ross is going to do a good job. I think they're going to change up the lineup a little bit. I think they need to get Chris Bryant motivated. They need to get Addie Russell motivated if they don't trade him. They need to dump Schwarber, which I don't think they'll do because he's a fan favorite. They will probably move Almora. They need to figure out what to do with Hayward, and they need to go after Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg. Now, if they can do that, I'm excited again. And so, yes, there's a just a hint of excitement in my voice as we get ready to end 2019, as we get ready to crown a champion, which I predict will be the Washington Nationals. I predicted that two days ago before game one. But I'm going to be excited for November and December to see what shapes up with David Ross and Theo Epstein and what the Cubs can do. And so for you and all those people out there listening, I'm going to cover the rest of the World Series. I'm going to cover it a little bit more upbeat. I'm going to predict who's going to get the best offseason free agents, and we're going to continue with on the lighter side of baseball trying to figure something out that's light about my broadcast of baseball. So from Houston, Texas, and outside of Minute Maid Park, this is Jamie Retzke on the lighter side of baseball saying have a great couple of days, and we'll be back at the end of the World Series, which I predict will be in, let's see, today is an off day. Tomorrow is the first game of the three-game set at the Nationals ballpark. So we will think that uh, by Sunday, 
the Nationals will be the World Series champions. Let's see how good I am at predicting. Who knows? One can only speculate. But I can say this with some certainty. Jamie Retzke, Houston, Texas, fresh off of Minute Maid Park. Have a great couple of days, and we will be back after Game 5 with a recap of where the World Series has been and is it going to go anywhere else. Thanks for listening to the lighter side of baseball. And uh, we are back with segment number three of uh, this schizophrenic broadcast. Oh, my goodness gracious. When I got to Houston, I was all pumped up, went out to the pool. I did a little take out there. I uh, met up with my brother. We met up with his son. We had a great time. The game happened, and then uh, slept on that and woke up the next morning and did segment two from Houston, Texas. And I got to tell you, I just listened to it. It was not exactly an inspiring Jamie Uretsky recapping what otherwise was a pathetic game from the Houston Astros standpoint. But I did listen to the tape. I go back to the tape. And uh, in segment two, I predicted that my predictions that I predicted before I predictably predicted Erroneously, I said that I had predicted that the Nationals would win both games in Houston. Uh, I listened to the first segment, and I got to come up with the, with the uh, reply that I was wrong. I picked the Nationals to win the first game and the Astros to win the second game. So, when I got on the air bright and early Thursday morning after the Wednesday game, I said, oh, wow, I predicted both uh, wins for the Nationals. Not true. I misspoke, went back, listened to it, willing to make my mistakes public, and that was public. So we had the boring game, we had the team meeting, we had all that, and then the story broke about the Houston Astros assistant general manager, and Lunau laid an egg, just like the team laid an egg the day before. I mean, first they're not going to fire this guy because they've doubted the veracity of the story from a female writer with Sports Illustrated that... The assistant general manager at the uh, celebration following the ALCS victory over the Yankees got in her face and basically was bragging that they got Asuna to be the closer. And, oh, by the way, parenthetically, he was banned for 75 days under the domestic violence protocol of Major League Baseball, and then nobody else would sign him but the Astros. So, you know... It's like, who'd sign Pete Rose? A lot of people. Who would sign Joe Jackson? A lot of people. Who would sign Barry Bonds? A lot of people. But who would sign this guy that in 2019 got banned for 75 games for domestic abuse? Only one team, the Houston Astros. Then it got worse. It came out that all of a sudden two or three people corroborated the Sports Illustrated writer's story and she was vindicated, and the Astros general, assistant general manager was gone. Well, that's not where the story is going to end. I predict it's going to go pretty much upstream. Somebody in the Houston Astros organization went to Lunau and corroborated the erroneous story of the assistant general manager, backed him up with a lie. So you got a lie, another lie, and then a cover-up. And Lunau... I don't know, you know, strange things follow him and he's able to insulate himself from some of the bizarre behavior. But if you'll recall, um, there was a Houston Astros employee that hacked into the St. Louis Cardinals database, as I recall. And that's when somebody along with Luno came over to the Houston Astros from St. Louis. Now, I'll go back and check. I could be wrong, like my prediction, but I think I'm pretty much on top of that. So this story is not over with yet. And the Astros, you know, it's a varying degree of stain on their reputation. MLB Network saying this is a tremendous stain. You know, it depends on how they clean up their mess. And they got a mess right now. And not only do they have a mess in the front office, they got a mess on the field. But let's address the front office. The celebrations after these guys win uh, big games always includes major amounts of, seems like Budweiser on ice, and then champagne. I'm all about celebrating. 
These guys work long and hard, and for the most part, with respect to the celebrations, they know the press is around. They know there are executives around. It's not just the 25 guys and the coaches that go in and have a little celebration. It expands to where you can't move in the clubhouse. It's grown every year. It gets more and more, you know, attended by you-know-who. And all of a sudden you got, you know, you've got uh, the players, their families, their buddies. Uh, it, it goes on and on, depending on how big the clubhouse is. So in this particular case, there were a lot of people around, including executives. And this one executive apparently became inebriated from ingesting an overly large quantity of alcohol and lipped off to a female uh, sports writer with Sports Illustrated. And that, that's probably the end of his career. It can be a long time before he gets rehired by, by somebody, I would suspect. And so now they've got all this going on. At the same time, they have Hinch trying to explain that, uh, you know, tomorrow's another day and tomorrow's here. It's today. And so you've got, uh, you know, what they thought was unthinkable, losing two games with Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander uh, going up on the hill. So you've got Annabelle Sanchez tonight versus Zach Greinke. It's going to be a great game. I think Greinke is going to have a good game. I predict the Nationals will lose. I predict the Astros will win tonight. And I predict that uh, it may go back to Houston. I don't know. I mean, I predicted the... Uh, that the Nationals were going to win it yesterday. I still think they're going to win it. Let's see what happens. I don't know. You're going to have arrested Cole and arrested Verlander if they get to game six and seven. It's going to be interesting. We'll see. On the managerial front, you could tell my voice picked up when I started talking about David Ross. I was originally kind of thinking, eh, you know, Ross is going to be a pushover for Theo, and I think he will be, but he's better than the other guys they were looking at. He's better than Buck Walter. He's better than Joe Giardi. He's better than Mike Sosha. So let's go with Rossi. I think it'll be fun to watch him. Everybody likes him. And he's just the younger version of Joe Madden, but with a little more discipline. Now, Joe Madden. It's funny. There are a few guys on MLB Network that I think are worth listening to. Sean Casey is one. Mark DeRosa is one. And, uh, Carlos Pena's one. And aside from those guys and, you know, maybe a twist of Billy Ripken and you can throw in a few other guys. Uh, love Plezak. He's great too. Um, but anyway, Pena played for Madden and he was so excited about the press conference Madden held. It was take two from the press conference in Chicago. Madden, who I love, is Joe Cool. And he had the same speech He's going to take the team from 70 wins to 90 wins. He's going to have the coaches do their work with the players. He's going to be the guy at the top, and the intermediaries are his uh, coaching staff and veteran ball players. He wants to bring back some of the legends to work with some of the teams, and uh, that's great. In fact, maybe he can bring back Albie Pearson, the guy that wouldn't give me an autograph when I was 10 years old. He was a California angel. Now, that's not their name anymore, but really it's the same team. They're the Angels. They play in the same place. Their name's changed. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or Anaheim Angels of California or what. You name it. They're going to be good. The Astros are not going to repeat as American League pennant winners. You heard it here. They're not going to win their division. The Angels are going to battle the Rangers, and I think the Angels are going to win the division. I'm kind of pumped to see what Joe does because I like Joe. Now, like I said, David Ross is sort of a disciple of Joe, even if he's not a disciple of Joe. He comes across that way, and I think it'll be interesting. Different personality. He'll have a little more, I think, hands-on approach to managing. But uh, what do I know? Uh, I think I know a lot. So we got that. And we got a few other managerial hirings. Giardi goes to Philadelphia. Good luck. Have fun with Bryce Harper. And that crowd, I do think they've got a good team, so I think they'll be in the hunt. And then you've got uh, a guy I've never heard of getting the job in San Diego, which is par for the course in San Diego. God help them. I mean, they have one of the best farm systems in baseball. They got a lot of good players. They got a lot of high-priced players. And now they got a coach that nobody's ever heard of. Good luck. Another here. Learn on the job, and maybe you'll get a job somewhere else in five or ten years. So uh, boo to the Padres. 
boo to the Phillies, yay to the Angels, and uh, I think I would applaud the Cubs too. So that's pretty cool. Um, no other real developments. I do think that uh, finally, if the Nationals do win the World Series, Soto can finally legally imbibe with the alcoholic celebrations that seem to take place in the uh, clubhouses every time there's a clinching game and the winners celebrate with uh, traditional champagne. It's great. Why not? Uh, They just need to make sure that nobody gets hurt, nobody gets arrested, nobody gets so blotto that they lip off to a reporter for Sports Illustrated. And, uh, you know, do you tell the press to leave after a certain amount of time where drinking takes place? I would limit the access to the press a little more than apparently they do these days. I don't think they want to celebrate drinking with, you know, the guys on MLB Network, but they probably do. They're all buddies, and, uh, you know, you just, I guess if that's going to happen, you got to watch what you're doing and what you're saying and who you're saying it to. So... Where are we? That's an excellent question. We are a couple hours away from game number three of the World Series. The venue shifts to Washington. Uh, The ceremonial first pitch will be thrown out by a couple members of the uh, original Washington Nationals team. And uh, then we'll get down to Annabelle Sanchez versus Zach Greinke. I predict that Greinke wins. I predict that the Astros win, and it's 2-1 to one going into Saturday. And then you've got who knows what in terms of pitchers. Probably Corbin for the National League, and Wade Miley's back on the roster. I guess he'll start Game 4. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting, much more so if the Astros were to win Game 3. So... Back in Kansas City, the next podcast will be at the conclusion of the World Series. So, my final, last, definite conclusion, prediction for the World Series is the Nationals in five. That's it. You heard it. Jamie Reske on the lighter side of baseball. And the nice thing, like, you know, you listen to these national broadcasts, uh... You listen to all these guys, uh, High Heat with Chris Mad Dog Russo. The guy talks nonsensically, makes the most ridiculous predictions, badmouths the decisions of every manager involved, and then he never has to pay the piper. I mean, he he was all over Hinch in the ALCS. The Yankees are going to win in four. The Yankees are going to win in five. The Yankees will certainly win in seven. He's made a big mistake starting Verlander in games. Well, you know what? They're bozos, and uh, at least I'm uh, honestly full of enough journalistic integrity, if you want to call this journalism, to admit when, uh, when I screw up. Look, you got a 50-50 shot. I can say the Nationals are going to win it. Uh, tomorrow I could say the Astros are going to win it. Hey, you know what? I'm right. One of those two teams is going to win. But it's fun. I'm not doing it for any bad reason. I'm not gambling on the series. And I do think the Astros are in a bit of a downward spiral. Only time will tell. So for Jamie Reske, we'll talk to you at the conclusion of the World Series. And uh, then we'll be looking at the award season the free agent season, the general manager's meeting, the owner's meeting, and the winter meeting. So we got a lot of stuff going on. We've got to do a show on this minor league dispute because they're trying to eliminate a third of the minor league teams, which is, I think, more than anything MLB posturing. Um, I suppose if you were going to say, what's the most upsetting thing that you encountered Uh, during the course of going down to Houston, I'd say two things. Number one, the length of the game. There's no way that game should have lasted four hours. And number two, the fact that the roof was closed on a beautiful night. Baseball should be outdoors. It ought to be played in the daylight. And it ought to be played in two and a half to three hours. Boom. There you have it. That's my wish list. Get this. It's never going to come true. They're going to keep playing night baseball for the World Series. They're going to close the roof to make it an environmentally 
sound, no advantage one way or the other. Weather doesn't play a factor. If they can, if it's in a place where there's a dome, and it's going to go four hours because they got to sell the uh, commercials so that Fox pays $2 billion. B with a billion, billion with a B. I'm so happy. Wait and see. That's my motto. That's a rhyme. We'll get you on the next end of another exciting chapter of On the Lighter Side of Baseball. But while we're finishing up here talking about billions with a B, let me go back after her listening. I gave Joe Madden a big raise, a raise he definitely is entitled to. He's probably the most qualified guy that's managing today to get a big salary. I was handing out 10 to 12 million a year. It's 10 to 12 million, probably 12 over the three years of his contract. So 4 million a year. It's not chump change. You can still go out to the beach and party a little bit, drink some wine, watch the sun go down over the Pacifico Ocean and uh, sip on a Pacifico when he's doing that. Anyway, Joe's doing good. Artie Moreno said, I'm so excited I got Joe. I'm going to add $5 million a year to the budget. Woohoo! Gets him up to 180 stay below that luxury tax, which I think in the next uh, negotiation is going to go up, up, and away. So that's it for today. You guys have a great afternoon, a great evening, a great weekend, and we'll see you. Uh, we'll see how my prediction comes out. One time I said the Astros in six, another the Astros in five. I got my bets hedged, and we are looking forward to a fun weekend of baseball. Until then, that's it. Chiefs-Packers this weekend. I think Mahomes will play unbelievably, and the Packers go down in defeat 21-14 to to the Kansas City Chiefs. You heard it here first, folks. That's it. Talk to you on the other side of the lighter side of baseball. And someday, it will be lighter. I don't know when. But this is Jamie Rutsky. Have a great day. <laughs>